Hello and welcome to Pocket Therapist, the podcast where I change the intro every few episodes just for fun. I'm Dr. Adam Moore. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist, and I'm talking about relationship and mental health topics that I find fascinating. I hope you'll join me. Dearest podcast listeners, thank you so much for being with us for another episode. And when I say us, I mean my wife, Lindsay, and I. Lindsay, hello. Welcome back. Hi, how are you? I'm doing great. <laughs> Thank you. Like, we don't even know each other. How's your afternoon going? Yeah, I'm seeing you for the first time today. <laughs> We're going to be talking about coronavirus, COVID-19, and how much the world has changed over the span of, like, just a few weeks, really. And uh, I want I asked you if you would join me for this episode because I wanted to get... Uh, a dialogue going between the two of us because we're both having a very similar experience living in the same home, uh, but probably also some very different experiences. And I just wanted to get uh, some ideas out there to our podcast listeners about how we're staying married <laughs> in the midst right. of in the midst of all this. How our children are all still alive. How we're getting by on uh, less toilet paper than ever. <laughs> <laughs> And maybe a little bit about some recommendations for what we've learned so far about how we're coping with all this. Because f- at least uh, for me, and I think this is true for you, this has been horrible. Mm-hmm. I don't want to sugarcoat this at all. Mm-hmm. It's been one of the most traumatic, um, terrifying, I guess, uh, like slow burn terrifying (laughs) experiences. (laughs) Not like somebody jumps out from around the corner screaming terrifying, but just like, I can't believe this is happening. Terrifying. Uh, experiences I think of my entire life. Why don't we start by talking about the impact of not leaving your house hardly at all for weeks at a time. Yeah. Yeah. Because... Here we are with our children out of school now, but technically in school in our house. Like, so not, we're not homeschooling because there are teachers and they're doing online classes and all of that, but we don't get that break from kids at all. We have five children, right? Right. So it's like three of them are in school. One's kind of doing preschool stuff, which is mostly just coloring pictures and tracing letters. And learning to read. And one of them is just running around screaming all day. (laughs) (laughs) He's 18. No, I'm just kidding. That's the two-year-old. That part has been both, I think, sweet and extremely challenging for me. Uh, I've actually enjoyed having the kids around. Oh, Uh, yeah. I love And I think I'm different than a lot of moms that I enjoy having the kids around, even though they are like crazy and you want them to get out of your face sometimes. I really love summer when I get to have them around. And so it was kind of welcome in a time of being unsettled to feel like we're all together. The whole family's here, right? And I think when you say different than a lot of moms, meaning you hear or read about a lot of moms being absolutely so sick yeah, but they dread, they dread summer. And, you know, that's warranted if, like, I have a different outlet, probably, because I get to work. Yeah, you work. Even though it's from my home office. Right. You work a lot of hours. And so, plus, you have a magic ability to tune out the entire world around you as if you're 
in your own magical bubble. Growing up with seven kids. <laughs> so, so I think that's been positive for us. And uh, I haven't been nearly as upset or traumatized by having the kids around. In fact, I would say it's really interesting. Our house is cleaner now than it ever is. When they're at school. When they're at school. And mm-hmm. it's not because they're gone. It's because uh, we're marshalling them to do work throughout the day. And when we're before COVID-19, we had so many activities, so many things going on constantly that between school, dance, piano, karate, play practice, whatever it is, we're one of those families that overbooks our kids. Accidentally. We didn't intend to be that way, but that's what happened. We're going to rectify that. We'll talk about that. But um, they're they're home enough to make messes, but not home enough to clean them. Yeah. Now they're cleaning all day uh, throughout the day. So I've really enjoyed that. And we have like, like we were just talking about, we've learned that we probably need to scale back on some activities. Yeah. And some outside things. activities so that we have some, because some of those, there have been some really rewarding takeaways probably that it's like watching the kids have calm and peace and be able to be here with us and not running from one thing to the next, even though they're always the ones begging to do the activities. They want to do everything. But some of the, some of the quiet time and at home time has been, it's been really fun to watch and see that they're like our relationships with them are better and their relationships with each other. I'll, be it more yelling <laughs> occurs. There's a lot of yelling. <laughs> but they uh they also get to spend more time like building relationships with each other instead of doing that. Just with, doing constant with their activities. like outside peers yeah. and stuff like that. So So I think one thing I'm hoping that will be different after this is over is that we will scale back some of our activities. We'll say no to some things. We'll Try to make more family time because we've made more meals <laughs> over the last three weeks mm-hmm. than like the last, I don't know, several months mm-hmm. combined. Yeah. Uh, and, and I've enjoyed that immensely. And you probably enjoyed it less because I'm cooking. You yeah. don't trust me. I, it's <laughs> Listen, I want everyone to know this. It's not like I'm not willing. It's I'm incapable. You're not able. Because <laughs> <laughs> when I do make food. I always mess up, and I'm, I pr- I swear I'm not doing it on purpose. I really want to be competent in every area of my life. You just were not I don't not know how to trained. pay attention. No. Yeah. <laughs> and so I'm always ruining food, and then you're just... <laughs> I'm, there's, like, certain things I'm not even allowed to touch in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. Lindsay's like, no, don't touch that. You, somehow you're going to ruin something if you <laughs> <laughs> touch that. So uh, you probably don't enjoy that, but uh, we the, everyone else does the... I would say the majority of the cleaning up after the meals. You don't mm-hmm. have to do much of that. So you, that's where you get a kickback and we yeah. do that. So that's been nice. And that, that's a lesson I want to learn that just doing – the kids kids don't have to have every experience in the world right. to be happy. Right. They don't have to get to do all the different things. You know what? Most people don't even get to put their kids into all those types of activities. Mm-hmm. And – they turn out just fine. Yeah. So that's an important lesson learned, I hope. I hope we don't go back and do the same thing again. That it's going to be... take... I think most things are going to take, like, a certain level of determination to, like, stick to 
be consistent and like actually follow through with making the changes when right. everything starts to like emerge from right. isolation, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know? So another thing that I've learned is actually how much more of a quote people person that I actually am than I believed I was. I, I always tell myself like, I don't really need people. I, I would be fine alone. You know, I don't need that much human interaction. Yeah, I do. As it turns out, mm-hmm. um, it, it's been killing me. I've switched to a hundred percent, um, teletherapy video conferencing, uh, through the ubiquitous zoom <laughs> that everyone's right. using. Uh, and it's been hard for me to do that. It's been really, really hard to not get to sit with people and read their body language and just, you know, get the human interaction energy of, of face to actual face. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I was doing a little bit of teletherapy before, it didn't feel that big of a deal. But now I'll do a handful of sessions in a row and I just feel drained. Um, yeah, well, and I'm sure other people feel that way too. Like, I think that's the one of the drawbacks for people right? when they're thinking about doing it. But I don't think we've all got to get past that a little bit to to be able to continue functioning. Like, because when I think, I'm like, I really want to talk to my family, but it feels so, like, distant to be on a screen with them, you know? Right. I think one thing I'm hearing from you is we have to make some sacrifices for the greater good yeah. of humanity. And, you know, even though there are relatively few cases where we live, mm-hmm. you know, in Utah. Yeah, relatively few. Relatively few compared to places like New York or, or other countries, right? Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter, right? right? Like we're going out of our way mm-hmm. to try to, for the good of humanity, yeah. for the good of everyone around us, to to make sacrifices, to do things differently. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's been one thing that's been encouraging to me, I guess, is watching sort of the uh, general solidarity of human beings trying to solve this problem. There are the lone rangers. Out, there's people out there going, I don't care. Well, I think there's also people that don't understand, like... They don't get They the, don't really comprehend really what they're supposed to do or not do. And so they're like, oh, we're social distancing with three of our neighbor families. And it's like, no, that's not social distancing. Like, right. letting your kids play with the neighbors is not social distancing. My right. kids have been locked away from all of their friends and... Right. Any outside contact, we don't even get to see our family because we have at-risk family members and... Like, it's the best choice and really the only choice right now is to completely distance yourself with only the people that live in your home. Yeah. Which is, I think, for most people, this is, it's the hardest part of this whole problem. Mm-hmm. Well, it's one of the hardest parts. I think the hardest part is the fact that millions of people are going jobless and can't pay their rent and right. all of that. There, I mean, well, a yeah, lot watching of, the economic impact. There's a lot going on out there. Um, but one of the hardest collective parts, I think, a, as a group is the fact that we are social beings and it's extremely difficult to be cut off mm-hmm. from so it's much It's like a that. true test of whether people can be altruistic or not. In what way? Like Oh, ca- thinking about the group. The group, Above themselves. Right. You know? And I think when I consider the entire situation, I just keep going. I'm, I think back to when I was in New York and 
Which like way too recently. Way too recently. <laughs> like just as this was breaking um, out, it was like and I got that trip to New York plan. I'm just gonna go. I'm but this is before go. we I really love, knew. I love New York. This is before like, we knew how bad it really was. Yeah, and and I thought, oh, it's fine. It's isolated. We like researched, and we we're like, it's isolated to this one area. And then we got there, and it was really quiet. Like. If you've been to New York, you know, it's never quiet there. It's always packed with people. And there were very few people out on the sidewalks, even on our first day there. And it hadn't gotten scary yet. And within 24 hours, we, it was me and my sister, and we looked at each other and said, we got to go home. Like, we have to get out of here as soon as possible. And we didn't have return tickets for what? A week six more days or something um we figured out how to fix that we were the airline was awesome and my change didn't cost me anything and then i just bought her a ticket (laughs) she's our the sister is our office manager so we really kind of needed her not to be stuck in new new york York for a month and a half (laughs) so yeah i think you're right like a lot of this is a test for people to see are are you capable of seeing outside your own experience? Mm-hmm. Are you capable of considering the group? Are you capable of of understanding the impact of even going and playing basketball in the park or whatever? Right. Like, right. Well, because like that experience, that was I came home and felt ripped off. I know a lot of people that were either there at the same time as me or on other trips that just kept saying it's not around us everybody here is acting normal you know it's it's just business as usual and and then within a week they had government crackdowns in many of the states where this was happening saying you actually have to social distance they had to close beaches they had to close all kinds of things like order restaurants to close to only curbside service and things like that so that people would like take the hint right you know in some way i feel like we're living in this like a movie mm-hmm. you know we're like earth is under attack like, right <laughs> can we all bind together and figure out how to solve the problem collectively so that we as a species don't die off right bind and, together but apart and <laughs> bind <laughs> apart <laughs> But I've been, I've surprised myself at how many emotions I've felt over such a short period of time mm-hmm. and, and up and down throughout days. I mean, sometimes I have great optimism and I, you know, look at how our business is doing and I go, you know what, we're still paying bills and things are still going okay and we're going to survive this. And sometimes I'm just coming unhinged, you know, like, yeah, how is this happening to us? And I'm worried about all the people out there who can't pay their rent. Right. I'm worried about family members, if they're going to be okay. I start worrying about people dying. Like, I want nothing more than to go and like lay at the bottom of my parents' bed and like talk to them like I did when I was little because mm-hmm. it was always so comforting. And then I'm like, oh, wait, I can't go <laughs> see them because they're older and have health complications. And if they got this, it would kill them. Right. So I think for me, it's been important to allow myself to just feel all the feels, you know, mm-hmm. to, to be angry, to 
and you know, sometimes it's random anger. Sometimes I get mad at people and I shouldn't, but I do anyway. Sometimes I get mad at whatever, whatever it may be. So, so whether it's anger or sadness, I feel, I feel fear regularly mm-hmm. a lot mm-hmm. just because the future is, it's not just the future's uncertain. It's like tomorrow's uncertain, you know, like right. I, I don't know what news reports are going to come out. I don't know what is going to happen. Well, and next. it's weird too right now because it's in like a holding pattern a little bit. Right. Because we've gotten through the initial, like, everybody needs to stay home. Like, now if they would just take it seriously, that's kind of right. the, the sentiment now. And it's like, they're, it's starting to calm down in Italy, and it has calmed down and is on the, like, downward slope in China. And so a lot of those international stories that we've been watching the patterns of mm-hmm. are on the decline. And so then I think people are like maybe irrationally hopeful right. that this is going to end really soon. Yeah. And, and then I get like this rush of disappointment where I'm like, Oh, this is not going to end that soon. Like those people were quarantined for almost two months. Right. And the far reaching effects of both the economic downturn that is inevitably not just going to happen is starting to happen now and will last for who knows how long. Plus the impact in the United States, for example, of this $2 trillion, you know, stimulus package Mm -hmm. that's out there Mm -hmm. that has to get paid back. Right. And that's going to affect everybody for a long, long time. So, you know, we're trying in the short run to do things that are we are going to have to deal with in the long run. So it, it just feels like this perpetual uncertainty. How long will it be before things, quote unquote, go back to normal? And and I do want to mention one of my therapist friends uh, talked about the fact that on some level it never will go back to normal because this is a massive trauma. Right. It's a worldwide trauma. It. For me, as I watch it, it's a reminder of how truly unstable our systems really are, or at least fragile Mm -hmm. they are. Like the stability of our economic system, the stability of our food supply chains, the stability of of so many things around us. It it's like it feels invincible sometimes when you're not paying attention Mm -hmm. or when things are going well. But as soon as you have a problem right? Yeah. And now I can't buy toilet paper, right? Suddenly it's things like that that you normally take for granted. You realize, what would I do if I, you know, Mm -hmm. if some of these things totally collapsed or were dramatically hindered, how would I even be able to function? And I think that causes a certain level of trauma for everybody because they realize that all the systems that we rely on maybe aren't quite as reliable as we had hoped. And then in the middle of that trauma, you got people going, you know what, I'm just going to get off the grid so that I don't have to rely on the systems. Or if I buy enough guns, maybe I can protect. (laughs) Right. The lines at the gun stores. Oh, I know. (laughs) I, and I'm not a gun guy. I've never owned a gun. We will never own guns. We will never own guns. We will never own guns. As a therapist, you just, there's certain things you just kind of go, well, I guess that's off the Like, sleepovers and gun ownership you know? <laughs> right. there's certain things you just can't really truly say to yourself i feel good about this and not not to say that there aren't therapists that own guns but right you know 
Anyway, the point is that I, I thought about it for a minute. I thought, do I need to get something to protect my family? And then I realized, oh no, everyone's buying, it's America. Everyone owns 735 guns. And they're buying all of the And they're buying of the rest right of now. the guns, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and, uh, and so those types of things really, I think, cause you to not just uh, feel anxious in the short run, but then it, it has lasting effects. And mm-hmm. there's never going to be a going back to exactly the way it was. And I think that, for example, you know, the people that lived through the Great Depression, mm-hmm. they never went back to, no, like, and they oh, had, the way it was in the 20s. Well, listen, right? they had lo- lasting, like long-lasting, lifelong Yes. trauma yeah that never was resolved like right. you you could witness people that lived through that time and even whose maybe parents lived through that time and they were little or were born around yeah, that time totally. that still suffered the effects of that and the feeling of scarcity and like having to live on very little and, you know, because there are people that are still like the elderly that grew, like that were growing up during that time that still you can see it. And I, I heard somebody or read something or somebody said, Oh yeah. Like my grandma, like very obviously suffered trauma from being raised by people who were, the working class at that time. Right. You know? So I think, I think we, I think we shouldn't be surprised if this has decades long effects on people. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised, honestly, if a sizable chunk of the population, even once this is all over with, always buys a little bit too much toilet paper. Like for the Clorox wipes. Yeah. (laughs) For the rest of their lives. Yeah. And, something else that i was you know because all i do in my spare time is read the news which is <laughs> kind of potentially dangerous depending on um i just are. think it's interesting because they the article that i was reading was talking about the airline industry but i think it applies kind of across the board the trauma from this virus they were equating it with 911 and saying like kind of paralleling them and saying uh-huh. okay so what's the difference here the difference is is that there was a visible attacker uh-huh. in 911 and they people felt confident even though it like took down the airline industry right like so drastically it was for a shorter period of time before they started to see recovery right in that in their numbers and and people feeling confident traveling again and it's because they stepped up security immediately and people felt like every passenger had been vetted and and like they were safe but right. they were saying that with this virus then it's an invisible attacker and people can incubate for 14 days. It's really prolonged. And so it's like a psychological trauma. The long lasting effects of that are probably a lot more people will develop paranoia about public spaces and cleanliness. Yeah. And, oh, absolutely. You know, wearing no masks, people coughing, like you're going to get glares <laughs> if you go out in public and cough. Yeah. Even like, know? even next year, mm-hmm. you know, 
people will like think twice about whether they go to Disneyland on vacation. Yeah. They'll think twice about whether they're going to they're going to put their hand on the escalator rail. Yeah, or take their kids anywhere because they lick everything. <laughs> <laughs> Even when this is over with, I'll still have some anxiety about, you know, really should we go visit elderly people? Should yeah. we get that close? Yeah. I think that's a huge thing for me, and it's one of the reasons we recently have transitioned our entire office to, you know, online instead of in person in the Mm -hmm. offices, because uh, I don't want on my shoulders the responsibility of potentially having asked someone to do something that put them in danger of dying. Right. You know? Right. And I know that there are people out there that are like, well, every day is like that. You know, the whole world is like that, et cetera, et cetera. But I, from, the odds are so much lower. Regularly. For me, this is different. <laughs> well, it not only that, but it's also this is different because, again, as a collective, as humanity, we we chose to fight something on purpose, mm-hmm. you know, to try to do something about it. And it, if I just avoid that, or if I just say, you know what, I'm going to ignore that. I don't care. Mm-hmm. That feels something about that feels uncomfortable, and it, you know, and, and then it immediately makes me think wouldn't it be interesting if as humanity we all somehow got together and decided to work on other social issues right collectively and and make these types of group efforts as billions of people what could we do you'll always have that like um under the surface rumbling of people who are like no, it's not a big deal. Like you guys is, are freaking out for know, no reason. Yeah, because I think about it, and I vacillate between, like, is this, am I overreacting? Am I underreacting? Being in complete denial, like, are is my response right now? Because a lot of times when we're being, like, assaulted emotionally by a trauma uh, like of this magnitude, you're instinct is to instead of wallowing in all of the feelings and being like oh my gosh this is crazy and so horrible your instinct is to kind of cocoon yourself and be like i'm just gonna pretend this isn't going happening. To my happy place well but so i wonder sometimes if that's a little bit of what mm. looks like disregard selfishness right yeah. you know but it's really but just- it's really just like denial yeah, like it's it's a resp- it's one valid r- response to trauma to how human beings, yeah. right? If if we're going talking about the stages of grief, which I know there's lots of arguments that those aren't valid or accurate, but they're they're still well well discussed and well known even among mm-hmm. people with PhDs. Um you know, d- denial is one of the stages. It's one. It's it's one way that human beings deal with something that is overwhelming. Right. I'm just gonna act like it's not here. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Or bargaining. Maybe maybe if I go out and just with reckless abandon go grocery shopping and go to the park anyway. Maybe maybe that will make the virus. You know, go put away. it put it in its place. <laughs> you know, some something like that. Right. Yeah. Maybe I can yeah. build immunity by just you know, putting myself. Or, I mean, there are people that are like, oh, you know, and they're coming out with reports that negate this, but saying I'm young, I don't have any health conditions. I'm healthy and fit. I won't be affected by this, but they've just come out with more reports saying there's, there's a large 
percentage of the population of the people that are dying that are under 50. Right. That are and between 20 and 40. Reasonably healthy. And, and are perfectly healthy. have no underlying health right. conditions. One of the things that's helped me survive emotionally and mentally the most is realizing that I'm not alone in my suffering, mm -hmm. right? Like, I know that probably people are getting tired of being on social media and seeing, like, one out of three posts be about coronavirus right. or maybe I'm strange, but I'm not. I don't get tired of it. I don't get tired of the funny memes about it. I don't get tired about people talking about their fears. I don't get tired about people discussing the issues around it because it reminds me that I'm not suffering alone right and and suffering alone i think is pure torture yeah suffering collectively especially when you are going out of your way to do something about it and that to me that is one thing that is helping i believe that is helping people stay mentally healthy amidst all of this is that we are proactively doing a whole bunch of things as a community as pe people as a group and as individuals to try to combat this. And, you know, when you feel like something that you do makes a difference for yourself and for everyone around you, that's a huge protective factor for your for your mental well-being. So right. the fact that we're doing this, I think, is helping us. If it was just one of those things where they're like, well, you're on your own, just decide what you want to do, mm -hmm. uh, I think people would be uh, faring way worse. Right, mentally. Right mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think it's also on the other end of the spectrum important to remember, and this is especially true for people who are in a reasonably good financial situation, who haven't lost their jobs, you know, mm -hmm. who are able to work from home, who can, who can choose to do social distancing mm -hmm. because their job allows it or whatever it may be. It's really important to remember that this is also highlighting the massive disparity in economic uh, resource access and healthcare right. access even in it with education with the move to doing to yeah. like we're very lucky that utah the majority of kids in utah have the resources to go online and if they don't personally have them the schools and right. districts have been trying to provide them you know where in other places they're having to do packets or just dismiss school for the year they just aren't and, resources and it's yeah it's causing a major disparity in like and well and highlighting the yeah, it's highlighting the, the privilege disparity. in in education and different things like that because there was i was reading something the other day saying you know most people don't realize or like really make themselves aware of the fact that there is privilege in whether your child has access to internet or yeah, exactly. whether you live in an extremely rural community and don't have access to any of those things. And, and there's in the past, they've talked about the fact that like kids that go to summer camp and the inner city kids who don't have that option, like financially or right. culturally or whatever, um, like th that disparity grows during the summer because mm. those, the other, the kids from inner city schools who have very few resources are just left as latchkey kids during right. the summer. And these other kids are doing educational camps and all of these enriching activities and, right. you know, going to the ballet and science things and, 
and so they're gaining all of that yeah, ground while other kids yeah and so that's then been highlighted with people moving to online school that there's this really really big gap in education resources depending on your income your like your socioeconomic yeah. status to me i think like the greatest outcome of this whole scenario should be that we all actually do things differently Mm-hmm. That we rethink our priorities, that we rethink the systems that we have in place, that we really start asking questions like, is this, do we want to keep doing things the way we've been doing them? Or like, right. are we, now that we can see some of this more clearly, are we really truly okay with it? You mm-hmm. know? And uh, it's, it's easy to go back to the way things were, especially for people who are privileged and have access to things. Right. You know, they're just, everyone's waiting for things to go back to normal so they can live their privileged lives, right? Mm-hmm. But the hard the hard part would be to say, how am I going to do things differently in my own personal life, in my family, in my community, etc.? It's a bit daunting for me as I think about mm-hmm. it. You know, like, I get easily overwhelmed. Well, that's I, why everything makes me cry right now. Right. Like, yeah. everything. Yeah. Doesn't matter what it is. Happy birthday posts to people. I'm like sobbing, <laughs> you know? I just think it's really, and like, I think part of that is that I get so overwhelmed emotionally because I'm very aware, like this has highlighted the pain that so many people are in. Right. And so even if I am not like currently in the situation that is causing so much pain, I'm like, super hyper empathic yeah you're feeling everybody and i just like have such a hard time and i think that's probably part of the reason why people are like oh i'm so tired of hearing and reading only about this virus it's like they're overloaded and they don't want to take on everybody's pain um because we can't we can't each individual can't solve it that's what i was gonna say earlier is like i know there's really nothing individually that I can do to fix large social issues. Right. But there are things I can do. I can vote for political candidates that are going to take seriously change efforts. Right. Right. I can show up to meetings where these topics are being discussed. I can make personal decisions in my life, in my career or whatever to try to, uh, acknowledge, be aware of, and if there's even small changes I can make that would improve another person's life or help bridge the gap, you know, help acknowledge and try to support people who are who are not privileged but who have the same hopes, dreams, and goals that I do mm-hmm. and just simply can't get to them because of the position they're in, the the family they were born into, the you know, uh, socioeconomic status, race, whatever it is. Right. Right. Like this, even anything I do is better than doing nothing. And it's why I continue to try to listen to the voices out there about these topics instead of being like, Oh, I'm tired of hearing about that. Like, yeah, it's easy to, it's easy to, when I'm privileged, it's easy to be tired of it and just decide to turn it off and not listen. Like I can make that decision as a privileged person right? right, right. to choose not to, mm-hmm. but that's why I have to keep listening when I'm tired because mm-hmm. otherwise change won't happen for me. And that's, I don't, this is not a respectful way to exist as a human. Right. Well, and that's why, like, you'll see a lot of people trying to 
set examples or ask from different like underprivileged positions um that people social distance right now like you see i think people would consider like this is an interesting situation but people consider doctors and nurses privileged because of their income levels right. in a lot of places and you know where and the, and they would say I think it's a common thing. Well, they chose to go into that profession. Right. Well, most doctors and nurses chose to be like plastic surgeons and like OB nurses, you know, they, and they're now dropping oh, everything and sacrificing everything and are on the front lines of this and possibly themselves contracting this virus, taking it home to their partners, right. spouses, children. Right whatever you know extent even extended family if they live in the same home it's just highlighting this kind of paradox of they really are not privileged to be thrust into a situation where they have to put their lives at risk right you know and so they are out there begging people to stay home right you know because they can't right 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 and so i think it's just a really like and healthcare workers already deal with so much mentally right uh, like trauma on, all, on all a the time. regular basis that like i think they're gonna have so much to deal with like mental health wise after this like when we start to emerge from the catastrophic phase of this mm -hmm. that will like i think people will need to be paying attention to their family members and friends right. who are healthcare workers so to me the takeaway messages from this dialogue are one to not try to go back to the way things were but like really use this as a springboard for personal change and social change mm -hmm. you know like let's look at what's been highlighted not just how do we protect ourselves against a pandemic next time right or like how do we buy more <laughs> toilet paper or whatever like yeah. but really like what's wrong with the way that we've set up our entire system that's actually you know hurting people uh or neglecting people you know mm -hmm. like what can we do better uh as as a group and how do we reprioritize our personal lives to really focus on things that actually matter and that it's easier said than done, but right. I think it needs to be talked about. So there's that. And then I think another takeaway message for me is to remind myself that opportunities to connect with others and to enjoy social experiences really are precious and, you know, uh, can easily be taken away. Mm -hmm. uh, and so to, to enjoy the chances to be with people, even though being with people is hard, yeah. And challenging enjoy our kids even though it's hard to be with them uh and and let it be okay for people to to deal with trauma in whatever way they are you know yeah. if they're if they're ignoring everything and acting like it's fine that's okay if they're lividly angry that's okay if they're mm -hmm. just exhausted and sad and overwhelmed that's okay we're all trying to cope and you know it's like it's a good reminder that right now we're all trying to cope with the same thing Right? right. So it's easy to right. see. 
after this is over, everyone will still be experiencing traumas left and right. It's just going to be different types, mm-hmm. you know? So it's like just compassion on how people respond and react to things. It, it just reminds me of simultaneously how deeply fragile life is, how everything that we care about can really be taken away uh, without our consent overnight, mm-hmm. you know, in- mm-hmm. instantly without any chance to prepare uh but rather than letting that make me just feel perpetual fear which it easily could right what i want to do is just continue to focus on gratitude for what i have what i have access to and again the the thing that has helped me feel the best in all of this is how can i help other people we we've tried to go out of our way to you know can i buy some food for for strangers you know can i donate to causes can i you know, you're making masks, those types of things. Like, mm-hmm. what can I do that helps alleviate suffering and pain in other people, helps me feel like I'm part of something bigger than just me surviving and trying to make sure that I take care of my own right. kind of thing. Right, right. And we've been, like, personally trying to find the balance between, like, trying to order food right. from local restaurants that we know are owner-operated. Um yeah. To, like, help them stay in business. Right. And also making sure that we're doing things, like, in a smart way for our finances. Right. And protecting our family. And so, you know, it's it's just a, a process that everybody has to go through with this, you know, especially. it's And it's <laughs> so abrupt and, right. like, concentrated into this really stressful situation and none of us know exactly when it's gonna end but I think there are so many positives that even like you know it's it's good for people to feel like they're normal when they're feeling confused or in denial or upset and angry that this is happening all of the feelings but it's also good to try and find the positives that are going to come out of it right and, and you know, do do the things that help you feel like your life's at least kind of normal, mm-hmm. right? Still watch, watch your movies. Get you dressed. Know, put your, take a shower. Yeah. You know, even though you're home, put pants on for goodness sake. Even, <laughs> even if you're in a Zoom meeting and people only see your upper half. Yeah. Put your pants on, you know, that, that type of stuff. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, we do need to stay sane. Yeah. In, in the midst of all this. Well, and that's something that, like, it's bit, it's interesting because there's so many more people that work from home now. But as the kind of a resounding comment from people that do work from home is keep, like, I had to figure out a process by which I didn't feel like I was living in my pajamas while I work from a home office. Right. Yep. So in situations like this like I just continue the pattern I get up every day and I don't wear my pajamas all day I change you know I shower do my hair change into regular clothes put my watch and jewelry on you know like if I put on a little makeup or whatever you know and like for other people just doing their hair putting some gel in their hair you know uh putting on a different hoodie (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> whatever it is um yeah. just doing some of those things that take you out of the like veg environment right. and and make it feel more like there's some positive just some structure routine. yeah i'm still human yeah in the middle of all this yeah and we will get through it 
This isn't going to be the end of the world. You know, it may be years of financial, economic impact, Mm -hmm. but we are, as a society, as individuals, we, we will survive this. We will get through it, but I don't think we'll get, we won't get through it unscathed. That's too late. Right. And I we're we're not going to get through it and just go back to the way things were. We we need to prepare for a new normal and we need to prepare to accept that life is just perpetual change and that uh this is one of those things that will impact all of us who live through it differently, but collectively it will impact us for the rest of our lives. Right. It's going to cause a lot of new innovation in how people work and how different businesses function and you know, even how the health insurance industry is, is working, you know, they're, they're having to innovate, like on the fly. Right. And some of them are trying to catch up with other ones. <laughs> some are doing much better than others. So. so, so yeah, there's a lot of change. And it's, it. I think it will be really interesting to watch and see, you know, I'm, I'm going to try and look for the positive changes and and hopefully we'll look back at this and say that because of that all of these wonderful things that we've done as a society happened because we we really had to we had to to change some things uh i i hope this was helpful for some of you to just sort of see how we're handling things on uh, on our end here i hope you got some some interesting unique perspectives and ideas on uh on how you might uh, consider surviving and staying married and uh not killing your children in the middle of all this and you know looking for looking for ways to interpret what's going on in in positive but realistic uh, ways that uh, allow you allow for personal growth so thanks again for listening hope you'll uh, provide a rating and a review if you're enjoying this it's uh, always helpful for us to help uh, get this into, into the ears of, of other people and uh, we will catch you next time <laughs>